What's up coaches? Zero week is upon us. Hopefully everyone had a great offseason and now you guys are ready to get started the season. Uh, whether that's going into your second scrimmage or you guys have already started playing games or you're like us here in Oklahoma, we're heading down to Texas this, uh, this coming weekend uh, to get our first game in. Hopefully you guys are uh, getting after it and really helping out your student athletes. If you need anything from us, head over to runthepower.com, find all of our podcasts, uh, our videos, and our email, uh, all at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Vices. Vices football helmets are different than other helmets on the market. Their design reduces impact forces by yielding a collision similar to a car bumper. Concept so unique that the helmet was named one of Time Magazine's top 25 inventions of 2017. The Zero One is the top helmet at every level of football. Nearly every NFL team has starters in the Zero One, including both the Super Bowl MVP and the overall league MVP last season. Over 140 college teams, 1,500 high school programs, and hundreds of middle school and youth teams have made the switch to the Vices Zero One and Zero One Youth Helmets. Protect your athletes with the top performing helmets in the game. For more information about Vices technology or to request team pricing for financing options, visit Vices.com on the web, which is V-I-C-I-S. Vices, protect the athlete and elevate the game. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering uh, coaches all across the country a free in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength conditioning philosophy is to just maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from me, uh, Coach Harper, and the RTP podcast, or just use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial. Again, that's teambuilder.com and enter the code RTP or let them know that Rowdy sent you. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. Whether you're an individual looking for a personal playbook tool or on staff for a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. This week, we'd like to tell you about their newest product, My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. That's myjustplay.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Chad Statham. Coach Statham is the head coach at Sioux Falls, Washington High School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's continued a program of unprecedented success uh, at which his school has 41 state championships in football, including a national record 14 in a row. Listen as we talk with Coach Statham about growing up as the son of a coach, leaving the professional world to get into education and coaching on the advice of his parents, and put his, putting his own stamp on a successful program with this quarterback-friendly offense. You can follow Coach Statham on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Statham. Hope you guys enjoy. I'm Chad Statham from uh, Sioux Falls, Washington. Um, Entering my seventh year here at Washington and my 17th year as a head coach, uh, be my 19th year um, total as a football coach. So I've been two years as assistant and, um, and the rest been head coach. But uh, how I started off was I originally from Del Rapids, South Dakota, which is just about 15 minutes north of Sioux Falls. 
and I grew up and lived there. And uh, I was a multi-sport athlete and played football for my dad, um, who's a longtime coach. He coached state championship football and track teams and very successful. And uh, I was uh, his quarterback and safety on his football teams. And uh, he ran the offense. And uh, that's how I got kind of involved. I was starting quarterback by a sophomore. And we were 11B school, which is the smallest 11 school level and, and uh, 11 man. And and uh, my dad was kind of a, a unique coach. He, he let me call plays. So I probably called, I would say, nine out of 10 plays. Um, and then if he wanted something, certain something called, he would signal it in to me and then I'd have to run it. Uh, so I spent a lot of time with my dad growing up, uh, learning the game of football. I have three brothers and, uh, they all were coached by him as well. And then we were in, but I was, I was the one that got to call the offense. And so I, I was unique where I was a junior in high school designing run schemes. <laughs> um, along with my dad staying up well my buddies went and hung out with their friends after game I stayed up and watched film with my dad so um and we went in with a game plan and it was almost like I was an extension of him on the football field and um then I, when I got done with high school I went on and I played basketball in college and ran track at the University of Sioux Falls um and then when I got done with college I got into banking. So I was a banker for real estate bankers for Wells Fargo up here in Sioux Falls for five years. Um, and then while I was doing that, yeah, I did that for five and I was very successful and they were training, they were training me for management. And, and I just remember and they, uh, my dad called me up and my mom, dad said, Hey, why don't you come for Sunday uh, supper? Uh, and I go, well, yeah, I, we always had supper on Sunday afternoons after church and, and as a family and I, and he goes, we're going to have you stick around. We're going to go out that night. And I said, all right, that's fine. And my mom and dad were both educators and they said, we don't like the person you're becoming. And, uh, we think that you're wasting your talent being a banker. Um, we like you to try education. So I trusted them. I was, wow. you know, I was, I was 27 years old at the time and I had coached high school football with my older brother. He was a coach in Del Rapids at a Catholic school. And, uh, my senior year in college, um, in the fall, I, he didn't have a defensive coordinator. So he asked me to use a head coach. So I got to coach with him. So I had, I had coached football. Um, but, uh, and then my, I, so I trusted my parents as a 27 year old single man. I trusted them and you don't got into the education often. aspect. You don't hear that very often. Uh, parents that are in education, you know, talk to their son that's doing well in banking and saying, Hey, you need to get out of that and go into education. No, yeah, and and the thing about it was like growing up in our family, my dad was always having every night we had somebody coming over to our house to eat with like kids that didn't have, you know, either a father or they didn't have food or something. So my parents were more about people than they were about money, um, and I think they saw me, they thought like I wasn't using my talent the way God probably wanted me to use it, and that's they were honest with me, and I trusted them. And I mean, I I tell my kids all the time, I go, listen to your parents. I mean, they, they get it. Um, and I got into the education and what I did was I got into a, a small town. Um, my dad had a friend, you know, having been president of the coach association here in South Dakota at one point, my dad knew a lot of people and he had a friend, I got an interview and, um, they made me assistant football coach, assistant basketball coach and head track coach. And that spring, the football coach left and the superintendent came in and said, you're going to be your next head football coach. And I said, Hey, I, I don't, I'm not ready. I'm a young guy. I don't, 
I, I, I don't have a clue what's going on. He just says, well, you need to be assigned. And so <laughs> I took it over and my dad actually helped me a lot. He'd come up to practice. Um, and he, uh, he'd help out with our punter and kickers and special teams. And it was just like, we we're back in high school again. And, and, uh, I did that in 2001, I took over. Um, so I got an education in the fall of 2000 and, uh, learned real quick. I had a good assistant coach in the name of Jim Schroeder, um, who would eventually go back to my hometown and coach, um, and my dad. And so it ended up working well. And luckily three years later, we won a state championship. Um, we were the smallest 11 man school in the state at that time. Um, and at that time I was a small school. I had one, um, paid assistant. Um, we had 42 kids in 2004. We had 42 kids on the football team and, uh, I had one paid assistant and he got called to active duty at that time. And wow. so I had to coach, I had to coach all aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams. And I'd had another guy who was, a uh, an IT specialist for the local uh, local clinics who would show up and coach our JV on Mondays. And then he would try to show up one day a week and then game on Friday. And there were weeks that we could only show up Monday and Friday. So I learned real quick and had some good teams. So I was, you know, like I said, we were, we, you know, we had some really good athletes. So uh, tough kids up in Howard, South Dakota, known for wrestling and, um, and uh, really good track athletes. And, and that worked out well. And I, and I took a year off. I got burnt out. I took a year off. And then a good friend of mine that I had coached against for years when I was in Flander, um, they were in Howard, was in Flander. He invited me to come. He was principal at Flander. And uh, he invited me to come there and got in to be, got head coach there. So, um, and then uh, we won three games my first year. And then we went eight and two the next year. Um, lost twice to the state champion and then the next year we were state champions so uh and lucky again to have a great school and at that time it was a little different because now i had three paid assistants and we had a great staff i mean i had my principal was my d coordinator and he's as good of a football coach i've been around and then i had a couple other young guys that came in and they were bought in and everybody worked together and it worked out well um and then uh, i was in flanger there and that's where i met my wife um, and we got married and things worked out well. And then, uh, Sioux Falls, Washington opened up, um, and that was in the spring of 2013. And, uh, we, uh, the year before we were 10 and one, we lost on a Hail Mary to get to the state championship with about a minute and a half left to go in the game. Um, and so I thought, okay, I've got a decent resume with two state championships at small school at the small school level. And in Lebanon, South Dakota, and uh, I applied because my dad's dream job was Sioux Falls, Washington, and uh, it's known for its history of football. You know, you know, we've got what 42 state championships here, and and uh, it's a big school and uh, largest class in South Dakota. And so I, my wife encouraged me to apply, and I go, I don't think I'll get it. I mean, they're not going to look for a small town guy who, you know, I didn't play college football. I or anything like that and and uh i applied i got an interview and i got it and uh since then i mean we've won three state championships and we we were runner up last year um six minutes a uh, minute three minutes left to go in the game we were down six and still had a shot and to win it and we had a good team and been very fortunate to have a lot of good athletes here we won at one point we won 35 games in a row um 
coached a lot of Division One athletes who are in the Big Ten all over and got a couple more guys that are probably going to be Big Ten players. Um, and so I've been very blessed, and then Sioux Falls has been great to me. And, I, and I've got 13 assistants now, and, and I've got top-notch assistants. All, most of our guys, I'm a USF grad, um, University of Sioux Falls grad, and most of my guys that work for me are USF guys. They either played at USF or coached at USF. And my D coordinator was a special teams coordinator for USF. Um, his name's Jeff Fitzgerald. Uh, he coached there for about 12 years, and we were high school friends. And when I got the job, I asked him to come on because he got out of coaching. And uh, he came on, and there's not many guys. I brag about him a lot, but not many guys that have won three national championships at the college level and three high school state championships in, the, in this nation. So, I've, like, so I'm surrounded by some really quality good coaches with who are good people. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. And uh, I enjoy where I'm at. I'm constantly learning. Um, I We've changed. I mean, I still run some of our basic stuff that I ran for my wing T days back in Howard. Um, and then we went to a more of an option in Flander. And then here we went to a more zone when I got to Washington. Um, it fit our kids better. So we've been a mm. zone scheme, you know, a lot of 11, 12, 21 personnel. We have a lot of groupings. Personnel, we're more college-like. We platoon. Um, uh, so we're more like college type I hear at this level, but a little bit different from my humble beginnings of <laughs> coaching everything and, and cutting the grass and lining the field the night before. And, you know, till now I, I, I can delegate everything. I run our offense. I'm in charge of our quarterbacks, but uh, I've, I don't have to do half the stuff I used to do when I was a young guy, um, just learning my ropes in small town, South Dakota. Well, coach, I've got, I've got about a thousand questions for you right now, but I think probably my, my, my first one to start off with is uh, you've, you've had so much success. It sounds like you've won a bunch of games. Uh, sounds like you've obviously came up uh, just barely short on a bunch of big games as well. Uh, what's, was it winning those games or just barely losing those games? Which, which of those games, maybe not individually, but what type of game sticks with you the most now five, 10, 15 years later, two years later, uh, is it those, those big ones that you won or, or is it those ones that you just, you barely came up short on? I think as a, as a coach and as a player, I mean, I was a baseball player and I was fortunate enough to play on in nine state championship games, won four um, in the amateur level. It, every year is different. Every kid's like every kid different. Um, I have three children. They're all different. Um, they all have positives and negatives. Um, winning has never been a major concern to me. Um, I'm competitive. I want to win, but the bottom line to with me is you're not going to see me yelling, jumping up and screaming on the sideline. You'll never see that. My dad would hang me if you ever saw me acting like a fool on the sideline. Um, I think the way we were raised, my siblings, we were ultra competitive. Um, we would knock each other on the ground and get after each other, but we would hug each other after the game. Um, my opposing team that beat us this last year, um, the quarterback coach is my brother. Um, and, you know, after the game, we hugged each other. And two years before, we beat them the state championship game. We hugged each other and told each other to love each other. And so when it comes back to your question is what sticks out the most is, I think what sticks out the most is um, it, it, all the kids in the, in the good teams that we've had is, is enjoying the kids and the competitive individuals and how they, they strive to win and how they strive to, uh, to get to where they're at. And last year, you know, our quarterback was, who was going to North Coast State now, um, ultra competitive. And he just, I, I enjoy his leadership and him 
um, willing to work with me and say, Hey coach, I want to try this. I think this is a, a, you know, schematically, I, this is what I think would work better in his intelligence of the game. Um, I enjoy that more probably than anything else, just because I enjoy the game so much, but you know, you always hear people say relationships and the culture and all that. I think the teams that we've created, we've created a lot of openness with our kids. Um, and, uh, our kids are allowed to, to voice their opinions. Um, when it, when it concerns us what's best for the team. Uh, and I, I just enjoy seeing guys rise and compete and just work their tails off and compete. Um, our running back, uh, he rushed for over 6,000 yards in three years. Um, his name is Tupac Pea and he's a Liberian. He's an immigrant kid and, um, never played football. He's a soccer kid. Um, he got to high school and he came out and he was pretty decent in like a seventh and eighth grade because seventh grade was his first year of playing and, and seeing him rise, I mean, how oh, like I remember two different occasions. Sophomore year, we won a state championship. Um, he came up to me and he said before the game, and we were leaving the night before, and he was one of the last guys. He always sit around, help clean up, and he just said to me, he goes, Coach, I don't want to say this, and like I'm being arrogant or anything like that. Or He goes, but he goes, I, I will not let this team lose. If you trust me, give me the football, and I'll, I'll guarantee you I will not let this team lose. And he went out and put up 300 yards and like four touchdowns and was MVP of the state championship that next night. Um, and he did, he did one. We gave it to him at the end of the game and he made some big runs and he put us in the same situation. You know, so those are the type of like things. And like a year later, he was in a boot the whole week and he walked into the game, took the boot off and rushed for 250 yards and put the boot on for two more weeks. So he had a bad sprained ankle. And that kind of stuff is what, in those type of games, you know, and then like my last game in Flandreau, we lost on a Hail Mary. Um, it was just a great competitive game. And our kids gave, they put themselves in the position to win because they were working hard, not because, you know, they gave up or anything like that. They, I mean, they got themselves in the position to win a football game and it came down to one play. And I, and I just told those guys, I'm more proud of you than you can believe. Because, uh, I mean, you worked your tail off the whole way and never quit. And, you made them do something incredible to beat you. That's impressive. And to me, that's more important than rings or winning records or anything like that. But, but again, I've been very fortunate to be around good people. And, um, and I get out, I get out of their way is what happens. <laughs> you know, I just stay out of their way. And when you do that as a leader, I think a lot of times we've had reporters and people come to our practice fields, um, uh, do documentaries on Washington high school. They walk in and they walk up to one of my other coaches. They always think he's the head coach. They go, no, 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 he is. And they point to me and they go, well, I haven't said anything. You know, I'm back there kind of being quiet and that's me, you know, and I think our kids and our coach and I get my assistants respect that. I just let them do their job. And if they have a problem, I just go tell them, Hey, I don't really agree with that. And we discuss it. And if they can, they can sell me on it. I guess I, I'll go with it. But I trust my kids. My dad did the same thing with me when I was raised um, and with my brothers. And I do the same thing with my kids and my coaches. So um, I'm kind of a laid back guy. But that's kind of how we roll. Well, you, your dad really trusted you to let you call nine of nine of ten, you know, 90% of the plays. At, at, <laughs> you give your quarterbacks uh, much wiggle room when it comes to, uh, you know, calling plays. Do, do they have some checks? Do you? Kind of let them call some things, or, or maybe it even depends on, I'm sure, which quarterback you have that year. It, it depends on the quarterbacks. Um, I, I I usually give them multiple plays. You know, I, I run RPO, some RPOs. Um, I don't believe that you can run RPOs every play. Um, 
but I always give my quarterbacks uh, a reasons to get us out of a bad situation. So uh, that spends that means spending a lot of time with them, um, discussing and talking about situational football, which we do a ton in practice. We do a ton of situational football stuff, but um, understanding when to take chances, when not to take chances and things like that. And if I like my last quarterback, um, Jaden here, like I said, he went North, he's going North Coast state. Um, brilliant kid. Um, when he was a sophomore, I kind of, I put a little bit of harnesses on him and, but as he, as he got better and better and better, you, you know, he is three times state champion quarterback. Uh, he kind of earned it by the end. He was, he knew what I call him to play and he liked it. He ran it. Um, if he didn't, he, he'd run something else. And I trusted his instincts. Cause a lot of times, like he would, he'd see something that based on game planning, like he knew that I'd want us to get out of that call and he would call it. And so sometimes I would send it up to four different calls for him, um, to run, to pass. And then he would, he'd menu it, then he'd call it and he'd go. And so, um, you can do that with certain kids. I haven't had a, a lot of those type of guys. Um, and, but now I got another sophomore quarterback coming in. So probably next year I'll probably harness him in and kind of feed him along. But eventually I just think it's so much better when the kids are calling their own plays, they get to see the game. They own it so much more. Um, they go, Hey coach, this is what's going on. I think we need to do this. And, and, and then they start talking to each other on the sideline. Like, and I just think it becomes more of them and that's, and it should be, it should be about them and the way they see it. If they're, if they're doing it for the right reasons, and it's for the team and for the better of the team, I think you have better teams just because they're all bought in and it's theirs. It's not the coaches, it's theirs. And you hear a lot of that stuff. And you see a lot of people talking like that, but I, you know, I, I've been living it my whole life. So and I, I think it works. Coach, you know, part of the, the, the thing I think too, I mean, you know, you're, you're involved with, you know, be, being the QB coach, you're, you're the head coach. And then, you know, hearing your history, you know, you've also grown up as a, a four sport kid. You know, you've also grown up as, as a small town kid. So, you know, that was kind of some of the expectation. Now that you're at, you know, kind of the, the premier program and the, the big school in South Dakota, how do you kind of have to manage and wear that hat of, yeah, there's some athletes we have to share and there's multiple sport athletes, but at the same time, you know, I, I like to do a lot of cool things on offense. You know, speaking for you, you know, you do a lot of cool different things on offense that demands a lot of the QB you know, how are you kind of managing their time being, you know, hey, yeah, you need to go play some other sports, I think. It's good for you. But at the same time, man, we, we got to get you ready to rock and roll to to operate this high-powered offense that we run. And that's a, a good question. Um, I, I usually stay away from them. Um, throughout the year, like, my all my quarterbacks have been baseball players. Uh, so they've, uh, they've all gone and played baseball and – um, and sometimes they miss seven on seven, which isn't a bad thing because sometimes seven on seven develops bad habits. I believe that. Um, but I, they, they, I just spend a lot more mental time with them. Um, and we, I try to simplify it based on what they can handle. Um, but like my Corey current, like with Jaden, he was a baseball player. He high jumped, um, and he played football. And so he was a track athlete as well. So he was pretty busy in the spring and the summer. Um, and obviously in the fall too, but in the winter, he would have a little more town time. So we would spend some time with each other, watching film and talking about it. And, and my current quarterback that's going to be playing this year, he's a baseball player, he's a catcher. Um, and he's a basketball player as well. So he's, he's, he's busy with that as as well. And what I do is I, I try to spend two days a week with him during the summer and just spend about an hour going over things and, and game planning. Um, I will spend a lot of time with each other like on Sunday nights and, and, um, 
I know in my last couple quarterbacks, we had, we did a lot of text messaging and sharing uh, film on huddle with each other. Hey, I think we can do this. Hey, I think we can do this. And we're meeting before school um, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays as we watch our practice film and, and more game film and, um, start, and the biggest thing is like my quarter, all my quarterbacks I've had have always been excellent students as well. Um, and so they know how to study. Um, they know what to look for. Um, they know our strengths and weaknesses. And, and if they're struggling in a game, I, I will take over. I'll lock stuff out. Um, and I've had that before with some of my quarterbacks, but, um, you know, I just, I just really think that it's important that they, they play their sport. Like I'll stay away from them if they're in a sport. Summer is kind of more difficult because, you know, We've got, we got to start kind of accelerating the process. But in the spring and the winter, I'll just stay away from them. They would go play your sport and, you know, get in the weight room. And, you know, our kids do get in the weight room. All our programs do. But um, I just try to stay away from them. And so when they come to me, they're ready to roll. And, um, and and I have a quarterback coach that is in town here that works independently. And he does a really nice job with them because he meets them once in the week during the, um, the spring. And um, he – he teaches them the same language as I do. And I think that helps a lot. Um, it really helps our kids. All our quarterbacks go to him and um, we benefit from that. Coach, when you give your quarterbacks this, this menu of plays, and I know it's just some of them, but talk about the guy you guys had last year, you give him this menu of plays and, and he's, he's trying to decide between, you know, one of two runs, maybe one of two passes. Are, are you teaching him? Uh, is he looking at fronts? Uh, is he looking at coverages? Is he is it is it more of a personnel based? Uh, what are some of the things that maybe you're looking for to to have him get you into the right run play or or pass scheme? Oh well, like for example, like we know the teams that we're going to play. We know what they're you know how they're going to defend us and how they're going to defend formations and things like that. We're looking for mismatches. Um, and so what he'll he, right away what I have him do is I have him I use ID the coverage you know top, open roof close whatever do the, the circle out in and then ID the front and then um, and then he can decide on if he looks at it and if I move a guy um, okay how are they going to move let's see how the picture changes when we move and if we see this type of alignment I want you to attack this you, you know um, so like if he sees them leading, uh, leaving one of our great receivers or good receivers alone in, in a certain technique, take it. You know, some people call it a gift. I call it an access, you know, and I let my receiver call his route to the quarterback. If my quarterback doesn't like it, he'll signal it back out to what route he wants, which our quarterback was signaling out um, wideouts this year. But the year before, we had a stud tight end. He was 6'7". He's at South Coast State and Another one's at Augie and, and another one's at USD. We had uh, just a stable full of receivers, and they would tell him the routes there, quick game routes to him. Um, and then he'd look at it, and he'd, he'd think, okay, we're a tempo team. We go pretty fast. So, um, And then I'd send in two run plays, and he'd decide, okay, um, one word plays. And he would decide which one he was going to take, and he'd echo it um, and ID the mic, and we'd go, we'd roll. And sometimes – He'd all of a sudden, when the ball was snapped, he decided to change his mind. He'd whip it out, and you know, out there to the to the receiver. And he did pretty, he's done pretty well. Like one year, he only had five turnovers. He had twenty eight touchdowns, and um, I think he threw over eighty touchdowns the last three years. And I think he had only twenty interceptions total. So he he knew how to take care of the football, um, and when to take chances and when not to. And a lot of that comes down to understanding the game and the game plan coming in. If we got a mismatch, I say take it. It's a no-brainer. You, you know, take what's take what's given to us. The defense is always going to give you something, and they're always going to take away something. And we got to understand what they're going to take away. Sometimes that we didn't know. It may take us midway to the first quarter or early second quarter before we figured out what they were trying to really do. 
and then we then we roll, you know. And their quarterbacks have also. I'd also communicate with them on the sideline here. Um, guys, our defense is struggling. We need to burn a little clock, so I'm going to slow it down a little bit. Um, let's see what we can get on first and second down with the run, you know, in this series. So it's kind of you know, let's stay away unless we obviously have an obvious deep ball that we can take. I go, but let's kind of let's pound the ball a little bit. Um, and so the quarterback would understand my expectations sometimes from series to series. Coach, you guys have had a pretty good uh, run of, of offensive linemen, too. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the big boys you guys have had and, and maybe some of your philosophy up front? And I know you've said a little bit about the uh, the weight room. You know, the, the Washington teams that I had to coach against and I have seen, they've always been big and they've always been physical. Yeah, and that well, that's the luxury is kind of who we are. Um, people know that – you're going to, you're going to get it. We're going to pound the ball, it, you know, and I, we've had a great quarterback who's, who threw over almost 7,000 yards, you know, last three years, but and really good receivers, but our, our linemen have been top notch, like both the Farniak boys. Um, I had both Matt and, and uh, Will, and they're both at university uh, at Nebraska and with Matt's is starting right tackle and, you know, at Nebraska and Matt's, you know, he's a six, six, two hundred, a 330 pound guy. And Will's a six, three, 300 pound center. And I both had them at one time in the same in my 2015 team. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're two nice. years apart. Yeah, and you know when you have Big Ten linemen sitting in there, um, it's, it, you're, you're gonna do all right. But um, you know I've been very very fortunate. I got I, I started a freshman last year um, who's already looked at some big teams. Um, I, I've never started a freshman before, especially not at big school level um, where our schools are all you know 2,000 plus up here. And and so. Um, to start a freshman at left tackle, it, you know, is people were kind of like, are you really going to do it? He might be one of the best that I've coached yet. Um, his intelligence of the game. I moved him to center this year. Um, he'll be a sophomore, um, you know, and so we generally, two years ago in 2017, our smallest guy on the front was 255. Um, our biggest was 310. Um, I think we have, we had two guys over 291 at 310. Um, 255 was Will Farniak. He was our smallest at that time. He's gotten up to 300 now at Nebraska, but um, he was our smallest. Um, and he's a Big Ten, you know, three-time All-State, you know, lineman and, you know, an All-American football player. So we've been very fortunate. And I have had um, – I've got guys all over the place, offensive linemen all over the place. You know, uh, one will be a redshirt freshman, Augie, and he's a 300-pounder. Um, and so when you have, like, horses like that up front, um, I always tell my guys, I'll sit in front of my whole team. I go, yeah, guys, I may be baby my own line, but I'm also the toughest on them, it, you know, because I am. Because I, I always tell them, we expect to win football games and we're going to run behind these guys. I go, the elite of our team is right here. These are my dudes. And so, if you know, this is where we're going to win football games. And I've always been a big believer of that. My dad was an offensive lineman. I was a quarterback. But I, I've always believed that you've got to win at the old line. You have a tight end. Um, I, 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 I will go three by one. I'll go 10. I'll go, you know, all that 20 and stuff like that. But I, I'm going to have a tight end the majority of the time. He's going to be a lined up tight end too. And he's going to be a guy that's going to be right with a lineman. He's going to be right with him. He's going to be a, a guy that's going to get physical and we take great pride in being physical. Um, we're a zone team, like I said, with uh, all the different tags and things like that. We do do some gap stuff and, um, but we, we just, our guys would rather run duo and just get physical. They, they, and we've been in games where they've told me, don't pass the ball. You know, they want to pound it and, and it's kind of been our MO, you know, and our guys love it. And I've been fortunate enough to have 
really good, good old lineman. And this year, you know, my center is going to be my small guy again. He's 250. Um, I have three guys over 290 um, and only have two seniors. So uh, we're going to be big again up front um, with a couple good running backs and a young quarterback. And I think you can survive games. When you have big physical guys up front, you can the quarterbacks have time to understand like, hey, I'm not doing well. I can hand the ball off. Um, the guys up front can do the work instead of relying on one guy. Um, but yeah, our weight room is top notch. Our strength coach. When I got here, I kind of pushed to hiring a a strength coach that's legit strength coach. He's got his masters in it, and we did. Um, and he does an outstanding job. His name's Dave Hopper, and he he's an Iowa boy, and he. Uh, he does an amazing job. Our weight room does very, very well. We got into powerlifting when I got here um, in competitions, and we've won the state championship powerlifting um, runner-up a number of times. Um, so our powerlifting coach is, is our linebackers coach, and they do a great job. And our weight room just rocks. We have a great weight room, and that's where everything begins. And I'm in there every day, and I'm, I lift with them a lot of times, and, and we have fun. So, But we work. We're in there for an hour, and we get out. So. But that's where we are. That's kind of who we are. I mean, obviously, Washington's had a long history of winning success, but it's not because we throw the ball. <laughs> um, we do throw the ball, but uh, it's because we pound it, and, that, and you're going to see it, and you're going to get it. And We'll do, you know, 22 personnel off wide zone stuff, and we'll bring in a D tackle and let him play no hook fullback. And um, we have a guy that's at Augustana right now. He's a three technique for him, and two years ago, he was a 300-pound fullback. That all he wanted to do is – find the hole in the wide zone and go hit somebody. And it was pretty easy for our running backs to fall behind that. So we've been pretty fortunate. Coach, everyone obviously would love to, to have this problem. It's going to sound bad, but, um, you know, have these big linemen. And, and I've always kind of thought that my whole life and, you know, what little I've been coaching. And, and this year I've, I've been, I guess, blessed with some really big guys, kind of the same thing. Smallest guy is going to be, uh, you know, six, whatever, six, one, and he can be around 290 pounds and sounds great. And all the guys are huge, but you lose a little bit of that athleticism, I think probably at the high school level with guys being so big. And, and so, um, you know, the kind of my off season big thing is, man, we got to be more athletic with our big guys. Uh, sounds like you've had a run of very, very big guys and, and whole groups of big uh, offensive linemen. What are some things that you try to do maybe in the off season or, uh, even maybe in the season to try to help these guys uh, continue to become more athletic and, and, you know, kind of some of the problems we're fall, running into is guys falling down. Obviously their footwork aren't, isn't as crisp as some of my guys that I've had that are 5'10", 230 pounds. They've got great footwork, but they don't have the size like, like my guys do now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you're not going to see a lot of alignment heavy. Um, I mean, they're heavy, but they look good. Does that make sense? Like, uh, you know, they look good. Um, they don't carry bellies on them. A lot of time, most of those guys, I, mean, I know they're, you're saying, wow, they're, you know, but yeah, they're 6'5", 290, or, you know, or 6'4", 290. They're, they're good-looking kids. Um, we're big into flexibility. Flexibility is we stretch in the weight room before and after. We stretch football before, before and after practice. Um, yoga. Our guys do a lot of yoga. Will Farniak was actually certified yoga instructor, so he that they would do yoga throughout the year. Um, flexibility is longevity, is what I always tell the guys. Um, and our linemen, um, they they like to meet once a week uh, during the off season, and they go through drills. They meet and they'll go go through drills with each other in the morning with the D linemen, 
Um, they do a lot of, a lot of stretching with each other. Obviously there's no coach. We can't coach them, but there's no coach there. Um, but they will meet after the weight room and do drills and, and they, they're always constantly working on flexibility. Uh, we're always doing it and our bigs are always doing it. And then the weight room also teaches flexibility in the aspect of the way we lift weights, getting parallel, things like that. Um, yeah, but that, that's the big thing is like you can get too big and you can lose flexibility. We, um, a couple of our bigs that have been really tight in the hips, we've encouraged them to go out for wrestling. Um, and wrestling's helped a ton for a lot of our big guys uh, just because of the different, you know, stretching and all that you need to, you need to develop with wrestling and the moves and all that. And it's helped a lot with their flexibility and then especially their footwork. And, um, but that's always big deal. You're always going to run into a guy that is not, he might be oversized. And, uh, we've had guys like, Hey, you got to maybe cut your weight down a little bit. You know, you'll play better. And our strength coach, we do a lot of, uh, power lifting and heavy lifting. In, in like January and February, do we get into the powerlifting aspect? But then we, by the time we're hitting into June, like right now, we're we're getting more into um, conditioning. So you'll see our guys dropping weight. A lot of our guys have dropped weight, um, and then they're, they're trying to get more in shape in terms of being able to run because we're a tempo team. So they got to be able to run and chase the football. So they will drop weight, um, and they'll look good by the time we get into August and September and. Um, and so we've been fortunate like that, but yeah, you do run into a guy that's maybe oversized and you got to talk to him like, Hey dude, you got to drop a little bit, you know, you got to get under your weight, you, you know, cause you're not carrying it well. You, you know, you'd be a lot better athlete if you, if you got down maybe 10, 15 more pounds and, um, and guys, then they, they know that. And we, we're always talking about nutrition and things like that, but obviously you can't run it as efficiently as you would at, at the college level. Yeah, I've run into a bunch of that too, and 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 really trying to research it this off season. I know, you know Coach Harper and I've been kind of going back and back and forth with that too. And and like you said, a lot of the the hip flexibility. You know, there's some some coaches out there that do some great stuff. Uh, I like the guys at, at Texas Tech. I think they do a phenomenal job. And then I, I tell you what, the other thing that we've started doing with with the linemen too is just the the short sprints. You know, getting them to 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 run maximally, you know, and, and usually when you watch a big guy run, you know, a, a lot of them have problems, you know, raising the, their knees and, and being able to kind of run full speed. And, and now that we've been doing it for about a month. I've, I've really seen, you know, noticeable differences in, in how well a lot of those bigger guys run just because, I mean, I think sprinting for one, it's one of the best plyometric exercises you can do. And then two, I mean, you have to have a strong core to sprint and, and be able to lift your knees and, and move and the mobility of it. I, I think has been phenomenal for us. So get, get those guys, yeah, get those dudes just would, running full speed and not gassing them out. Right. And cause like my dad would always say, like, he goes, you know, he, he goes, I'm doorly, I'm deadly from short distances. He, you know, he goes, I get a hold of you, you're done. He goes, you might be able to run me, but if I get a hold of you, you're done. And, and that's kind of the way I feel with our alignment too. And our, our strength coach does too, where they're not run 110 gassers. They're not doing that. They're, they are doing drills and speed work that, suits them you know they'll do skip poles and run 10 meters um they're doing more you know turn and run and it's everything short and quick and get their breath back short and quick i mean he does a great job with that and he's more building about speed and, and exactly what you guys are talking about is you know receivers are getting enough running routes and, and you know they're running all over the place and they maybe require a little bit different than the old lineman and the d lineman and i always tell those guys you need only need to be deadly from short distances you, you know um, I'd rather you be moving people from A to B 
than chasing people. You know, so let's get really good at what we need to be good at. And we don't need to be running our big 50 meters, you know. Um, but if you do a lot of the short stuff, like what you talked about, and then they get recovery and that, that suits how we play, you know, our guys might have to run up and get a big play and chase down to the field and get set. But, um, I mean, mostly they're going to be running 10 yards at a time. And so we really work that hard, that, that aspect of sprinting. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we've made it, we've even made it competitive with them too. So, I mean, they're, they're chasing the clock and, you know, they're, they're, they're pimping each other a little bit. And it's kind of funny because I don't think any of them, any of them realize that they're actually doing like actual work. It's kind of funny. No, and you know how it is. I mean, you don't want it. I, I was a, I was a skinny athlete, so it didn't bother me running a bunch of, but as a big guy, I mean, that, that goes against who they are. You know what I mean? They're, they need to be, they want to be in close contact. They want to be in a phone booth because they want to fight, you know, they want to get their hands on people because that's, that's who they are. I mean, so we got to, we got to train them for who they are. And uh, I think more and more people are getting that. I like what, I like what you said about Texas Tech. Yeah, I've seen that and I, I agree with that. And, uh, you know, again, you're, you don't want to wear a big guy out. I mean, you want to, you want to keep them as fresh as possible, but you want to condition them that will benefit their needs. Coach, coach, you talk about, you know, kind of starting off as, as a head coach and, and it was just you. You know, you said you had your, your one coach and then uh, he got called for active duty. So it was, it was only you and, and I'm sure um, at, when that happens, obviously, you've kind of got to know everything. I mean, you're coaching every, every position, obviously. Um, maybe not to that extent, but if a guy wants to become a head coach, uh, is that something that you would um, recommend? that uh, to let's say you know you had a son is that something you know that that's that age and ready to go and is that something you recommend to him hey go start out at a very small level where you have to do a lot of things and then build your way up uh or or are you going to give more of the information like hey go get on into big school start as an assistant work your way up to a head coach at a at a bigger school first well i i, I think if you're in a small school you have to do everything and you know how to do everything and that helps. And so that helps the aspect is when you do become a leader, you're going to put people in a position that know they're capable of doing it. Um, with me being a small town, uh, yeah, I did everything. And what made me better was, um, I was the offensive coordinator when I first started off. Then I became D coordinator. That's when I got better as an offensive caller. Um, I missed the defensive side. Um, I'm more deep, probably defensive minded, but it's made me a better offensive guy. Um, because I can teach defense to my kids pretty quick, um, my offensive kids. And uh, but if I, if my son crew would say, "Hey, Dad, I want to be a football coach," I would tell him to get into um, get into that smaller school, uh, learn how everything is run, um, and had, so you'd have a better understanding. And then eventually, try to make your way into the bigger school. Uh, like I have assistant coaches that that aspire to be head coaches, so I've. I've moved them like, oh, I'm an offensive guy. Well, no, this year you're going to go defense. This year you're going to start learning the defense. You need to start learning that or vice versa. And, or I started including them in my daily, you know, leader, all the paperwork and all that. And, and dealing with like, if a parent has a problem, I bring them in with us, discuss how to handle that or, or a student has a problem or my leadership programs or, or all that. I try to include them as much as I possibly can. I think it's been my, my, my experience, I think it's tougher to be an assistant in a bigger school and becoming a head coach. I think if you have the, um, the street work done or um, as being a small town coach, being successful, uh, 
you can work your way up a little bit quicker in regards to a bigger school, um, being a head coach, just because you've been a head coach, you know how it all works. But at the same point, a negative about being a small school, you've, you've run everything. Some of those guys, um, that I've known that have moved up, have a hard time delegating, uh, things to other people because they've done it, always done it themselves. And so you got, you got to take that in, into consideration when, I've got to learn, like, yeah, I'm going to go here to a small school. I've got to learn how to do all this stuff. Um, it's going to be a great experience. But at the same time, I've got to be able to delegate some responsibilities and learn to trust people. And I think some coaches that – I see that in some coaches, they really struggle with that. Um, they're, and the good coaches generally, um, they delegate a lot. They put good people in charge, and they keep in communication with them um, on what they need to be successful and – keep an open my D coordinator. Like I said, we, we, we talk all the time. He tells me what he sees on our offense, what he thinks he would change. Um, and I do the same thing with him in defense, but at the end of the day, I'm going to let him call a game. And, uh, he knows that. And we, and even during a game, we talk to each other like, Hey, he'll say to me, Hey, I, you need to slow this game down for me. And I go, we'll do, you, you know, or Hey, <laughs> you're going to need to outrun these guys. <laughs> all right, we'll do it. You know, and things like that. So, but getting back to being a head coach, if my son said, dad, I want to be a head coach, um, I'd want him under me. Um, but then if he, I'd also say like, it's time for you to go under one of my, my friends and he's a good coach. And, and that's what my dad did. My dad, when I was in college, um, one of my dad's best friends was Rich Greeno. Um, and dad encouraged me to run a track in, in college so that I could learn under Rich, uh, how to be an actual leader and coach. And, you know, and that, I think that's helped me a lot on I learned knowing how to handle people and being around Rich Greeno, who was a 12 time, you know, national coach of the year, you know, in high school. So when he was a coach in college, when I was there, so, you know, and I just think the more people you're around, the more coaches you, you get to experience, I think it benefits you. Coach, there's, you know, I, I people are, are never going to say, you know, that, that South Dakota is the hotbed for football. I mean, I'll, I'll swear that it is. And coach Harper will laugh at me, but, uh, I think there's so many great coaches that have actually come out of South Dakota. And uh, I've always kind of wanted to be able to ask this question. We we haven't had many, many Dakota guys on, but you know, what do you think that is? Do you think it's, it's maybe because of some of that, that smaller town upbringing and and you learn some of those people skills and kind of some of those values of, you know, helping other people. And, and I don't know what, what all the words would be, but, you know, you just seem for the for the amount of population that the states had, there's been an unbelievable amount of of really really strong and solid coaches that have gone on to to many different levels and in many different sports. I think it goes back to being small. Uh, it, you know, we're a state of eight hundred thousand people, but um, and most of it's the Sioux Falls area, about two hundred fifty thousand in the Sioux Falls metro area. Um, a lot of it goes back to being a, a small state. I think you have access to be to gain experience. Um, you know, like I went to, I went to college with, you know, Curtis Riggs, who, you know, and, and Kalen DeBoer, who's now at um, Indiana. Um, but, you know, I've had experiences with all those guys and, and we, we all still meet here. I spent time with Kalen when he came back into Sioux Falls, you know, and we discuss and we talk about football. And, and I know in the USS fam, in the USS family, we all go back to Bob Young. You know, that's where we all kind of have our roots and, and how we, we do things. Um, the way we treat people, the way we coach our teams, the way we organize our teams, and and our our offense and defense philosophies go back to USF because we're basically USF um, in a lot of our stuff. Um, 
especially on defense, and it goes back to Chuck Morrell. Uh, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of been a lot of great coaches. And a lot of it has to come down to is like we are, South Dakota has a great football fraternity, and we're not afraid to to share ideas with each other. Um, we're all a lot of us football coaches are very tight here, uh, and it, I, we're, we're, I I don't think we're afraid to reach out and talk to anybody about for help. I've talked to you numerous times. I want to know how you do things. Why? Because you might find a wrinkle. You know what I mean? And I think South Dakota guys have always been um, very forthcoming and going out and trying to find people and, and try to do what's best and ask each other. And no one's got too much pride to ask anybody. I'm not afraid to ask an 11B football coach how he does something because I'm not above that. And and I think it, it goes back to, again, being a small town. We just, we small town mentality. And I think when you're in a small town mentality, there's more opportunities to rise. Um, and I think there's a lot of talent probably in a lot of bigger metro areas that don't have that opportunity. Um, and so they maybe will get out of the game before they should. Um, and others like here will stick around and we'll eventually make our way. Yeah. I like what you said too. I mean, I think, you know, the, the thing I, I have noticed too, cause I mean, I've coached in South Dakota as well. I and mean, my dad growing up there and coaching there, it just seems like, I mean, you know, everybody from every other school, you know, you, you or you've heard about them or, you know, someone that knows them and then. They're, they're, you're competitive, you want to win, but at the same time, I know you've said it in the past, you know, there, there is some sort of kind of like that brotherhood, you know, there's not really that, that same maybe animosity that, that I've felt when I've coached in some of the other states, like, you know, like almost like pure hatred for other, for other people. I didn't really feel that when I was in, in South Dakota. I mean, yeah, it's super competitive. We want to win things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, you'd be able to go to, to coaches clinics and, and have a beer and, and, and sit with all those guys and it was it was just super casual, and everyone seemed like they were still buddies at the end of it. Oh yeah, and then then our South Dakota clinics that we have here, we enjoy getting together. We we all hang out. I mean, all us coaches, like our next door neighbor is Brandon Valley. I'm hanging out with those guys. You, you know what I mean? After we after we lost the Brandon Valley game, we're all hugging each other. You know, like hey, great game. All I care about is play as hard as you can, and the game will never define you in regards to a winner or a loser in life. I mean. It just shows the potential you have. And, and I know, like, I tell our kids all the time, like, um, I go, you, you need to respect people that push you to the limit. You need to respect good football teams and good basketball teams and people who push you to your limit and make you fail. I go, that's, those are the guys that you need to shake their hand with and say, thank you for beating me. Now I, now I got something to work for. You, you know, don't hate a guy because he's better than you. You know, thank him. And I think that's kind of the mentality that we hear, have here. I know I know we in Sioux Falls, we all get along real well, all the coaches do, and, and we always talk on the off season all the time, you know, and we care about each other. We want to make sure that we're both all of us are successful in our own way. We want to win, but it's come down to the end of the day. I mean, like my dad would always say, I think it's a George Strait saying is, you know, you know, there's never seen a luggage rack on a on a hearse, you know, so it's more about people than than hardware. Coach, before before we get off here, I, I, I'm still hung up on on being 27 and and completely changing uh, your job, you know. And and uh, so before we get off here, I have one more question about that. So uh, you're 27 years old, and 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 at that point, you know, your parents or you know, your dad says, hey, "I think that this is a better situation for you." And and uh, I, I just know, maybe from my own experience or whatever, I love my parents and I trust them, but. I'm an, I'm a pretty hard headed person and I feel like I'm doing a good job and, and I'm kind of like, well, no, this is what I'm doing, you know? So 
obviously you listened and it was a great decision. Um, I wish I could say I listened a little bit better, uh, but you listened and, and you make the decision to go into coaching and, and education. How was that? How long did it take you to make that switch? Was it like that next week you told your job, Hey, I'm getting out of it going into education or, or uh, you know, kind of how did that go? Well, it was probably in, it was in September. I remember it was in early September because my baseball season just got done and, and, and I was helping on the baseball field in Del Rapids with Jim Wilbur build a mound. I remember that we were rebuilding the mound and my dad would come out and watch us. And, and it, so that happened in early September and I, I just sat and talked about it and, um, with the dad and I talked with other people and, um, I talked with my boss and my boss goes, here's the deal. He goes, we're getting moved. We're getting ready to move you into management. We're training you right now. And I go, yeah. And he goes, and when you get into management, he goes, you're going to be making about twice the amount of money you're making now, which I, when I got out of banking, I was making more than I do now. I mean, you know, 20 years later. Right. Um, it's, but I was just like, you know, I've got all my debt. I have no debt. Uh, I talked to my boss. I go, I, I want to try this. And he just goes, and he was a kid that had played football. He was a guy that I should say that played football for my dad. And he said, um, how about you sub? Try subbing for a while. We'll cut you back to part-time. You'll make up hours. I'll put you on some special projects doing this and this. Let's try it for a couple months. Let's see what happens. Here's your mind. We'll try it. And I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. So I did. I, I got in the Sioux Falls School District um, in that January of 2000. And uh, I subbed. And I, it was in a week. I was just like, you know, this teaching's fun. I enjoy being around the kids. Um, it brought energy back to me. And I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And finally, it was the end of February. I told my boss, I go, this is what I'm going to do. And, and uh, I was taking classes at that time to get my certification. And um, I applied for that job. And I got it. And I, I obviously got to keep taking my classes to get certified and all that. But it was the right decision. And I always look back. And I, you know, I, I, I thought the same way you did. I was like, you know, I, I always enjoyed coaching. I enjoyed it. I didn't know if I wanted to be in the classroom. But when I tried the classroom, I loved it. And I just, I've always done it. Even to this day, I tell people, like, if I had to quit coaching and, and just be in the classroom, I'd still be in the classroom. I just love the kids. I love being around them. And I enjoy um, teaching them something. And then, more importantly, I enjoy the le well, lessons that they teach me and the stories they tell me and, and the fun times we have. We, we have a lot of fun. I, I, my classroom, I believe in the social learning theory and, and you know, just talk and tell each other stories and, and learn from each other. And, and I think... I think you gain more from that in life than, than anything else. And I, so I, I appreciate my mom and dad stepping up and, you know, tell me what I needed to hear. And, uh, I always respected them. I always, uh, was always a good kid. I never got in trouble. And so my dad said, I, we, we'd like for you to try us. I was, I was like, I'll do what you ask me to do. Cause you've always been good to me and been fair to me. And that goes back to my dad, giving me a lot of responsibility as a young man calling football plays. He trusted me and it was now it's my turn to trust him. So it worked out. Man, that's awesome. You're, you're telling the whole thing. And like I said, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking of, of my own, you know, my own story too. And, and thinking of my dad, you know, same kind of thing. You know, I, I tried so many different things in med school or chiropractic or whatever, you know, chasing the almighty dollar. And at the end of the day, he's just sitting there like, dude, you need to go coach, teach. You're going to be miserable to anything else. And he's exactly oh, right. I have, I have friends that are, have make that are good, good friends of mine. And they always tell me, you know what, not many people would love to have your job. And I'm like, you're making 10 times more than me. <laughs> and they go, 
No, you have the best job in the world. I have one of my former athletes, dad. He always says that to me. He's a real estate guy. He always goes, you have the job I want. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're, you're lucky to have it. And he makes a lot more money than I do, you know, but I, I always take that with pride. That means that that's more important to me, I guess, than anything else. So that's always good that, that I made that decision. Well, coach, coming up on the, on an hour, kind of the last question I always like to ask everybody is uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things that they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Uh, their pad level and their first two steps. That is always like, okay, where's their pad level? And, you know, where's their hand placement? Where are, they, are these guys just firing off the ball? Um, and knowing where they're going. Uh, and again, it goes back to my dad. And I tell my old lineman, we hit the sled every single day. And my dad said, an old lineman, if the old line are all firing off and hitting that sled and it bounces up on its skids in one motion, one solid motion, and it sits down in one solid motion, all five men are working together. And when I watch that, I watch our old line all the time. I said, you guys need to fire off and you need to hit those guys. And all of you should be moving that line. They should be bending them. And it should be a straight line. And when I see that, then I know they're well coached. I know their pad level and their footwork, everything's hitting the sled and it's moving it. And that's when I know I have respect for guys. It doesn't matter how big they are. Um, if they're lined up right, they got the right depth, they got good spacing, you know, uh, I, you can just tell they're well coached. And the way they get their hands down and their stance, uh, you can see right away. And, uh, and I always have respect for that. Always will. And then if you got a running back that can rush for 300 too, right, Coach? Well, then, like, if, <laughs> when I know how you win games, so you give the ball to the good kid, and, you know, and that's 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 simple. But you know what happens in basketball, happens in baseball, happens in football. Give the ball to the good kid, and usually good things are going to happen, right? And the kids all know who the good kid is too, because they've been picking teams since they were four years old. Oh, exactly, and they want to win, so they always want the good kid on their team, right? Yeah, and so they, you know, the old lineman, and that's one thing I tell our running backs. I always tell them, I go, you're going to lift with the old lineman, or you're going to be in the rack next to them, and you're going to try to beat them every day. And if, they, if you are beating them, that will make them mad, and they'll try to beat you. And I go, but they'll also gain respect for you, and they'll want to block for you. So, uh, you know, it's and again, you build your old team around the old line, and that's how we do things, and. You know, like we, we have Paul Alexander coming in on Sander, Saturday to meet with uh, meet with all our guys. Um, you know, if you know who Paul is, and uh, yeah. and he's going to do a little clinic for us, and he's going to work on pastoral with our old linemen. And they're all they're all excited because um, Paul Alexander's coming in. You know, and there's a couple dads who are old linemen who are excited. Hey, can we come watch? You know, so um, we take pride in that kind of culture we have here at Washington. And obviously, it takes more than old linemen to win a football game, but uh, you know. We, we kind of, like I said, we kind of hang our head on our own line and we tell them they're our dogs and, and that's how we're going to win football games and, and uh, our kids take a lot of pride in that. Well, they're definitely the coolest guys on the field. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app this will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com follow me on twitter at harper underscore coach and coach walls at coach brady walls 
Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.